We continue Agadot about the crossing of the Jordan in the time of Yehoshua. Look how many miracles happened on that day. They crossed over the Jordan River that split. And they got to, they reached the Har Gerizim and Har Aival, which is more than 60 mil from the river. We saw that there were two opinions about this, um, but this is according to the opinion that it's in near Shechem, which is far away, and they were able to um, to uh, to travel there within that very day, and nobody was able to stand before them. None of the enemies; they all, uh, they none of them attacked Israel while they were traveling all that way. And anyone who did try to come and attack Bnei Israel, they were immediately struck with diarrhea. As the pasuk says, I will send my terror before you, confound the people that you encounter. And if, when uh, someone's very scared, they get uh, stomach cramps, they get uh, intestinal problems. And so they were not able to continue their attack. And this is interpreted into the Pesukim in Az Yashir, uh, where it says that the enemies will fall in terror and dread, um, while you pass over. So the first, is referring to the entering into the land uh, the first time, during the time of Yoshua. And is talking about the second time, that means after the destruction of the first Bet HaMikdash, when they're going to return to Israel from Babel, also um, they were able to pass through and uh, the uh, and nobody attacked them we can see from this parallelism uh, that this ajavor and the second ajavor um, in uh, in the pasuk i mean the simple reading is that this is parallelism that, like we always find in biblical poetry but if in fact we say that's referring to the entering uh, into Israel in the time of Yahushua, and that's parallel to the entering um, into Israel in the time of um, in, in the time of uh, of, uh, of uh, Cyrus um, in the beginning before the in the beginning of the second Bet Hamikdash period. Well, then, if those are parallel, then actually, just like Israel was worthy that they had uh, ha- miracles happen to them in the time of Yahushua, the Jews would have been worthy of having the same miracles happen to them and the splitting of the Jordan and all that in the next generation. Uh, uh, during the during the time of Koresh, but the uh, sin uh, caused them not to be able to enter the land with with miracles, and that's why they just entered in a natural way. And now after they came in, they took those stones that they got from the bottom of the river, and first they used them to build a Mizbeach, and they put plaster on it, and they wrote on those stones all of the Torah, and they wrote it in 70 languages, as it says, to elucidate clearly, it means it has to be clear to any reader, 
no matter what language they speak. And so then on that Mizbeach, they they have burnt offerings and peace offerings and they ate um, and they drank and they were and they celebrated. This is a berit reconfirmation ceremony. Um, and then they did the Berachot and Kelalot are there on Har Gerizim and Har Aival, the whole ceremony. And then they took down the stones that they made into Mizbeach and they brought them where to Gilgal where they slept. That's the Malon. So the very same stones that they used for the Mizbeach, then they, they then took with them and they built a monument there. Now it says Bamalon. Does that mean that they took them with their took the stones with them every time they traveled? The continuation of this pasuk says the malon in which you will sleep tonight, meaning only that. That's the that's the last stop for the stones. Uh, and it says furthermore later in that chapter, the ones that they took out of the Jordan, they set up in Gilgal, and that's it. They left it at their lodging place in Gilgal, uh, so that it should be there forever after. Tana lo There's a kind of hornet called sirah, and that did not cross over the Jordan with them. Is pasuk en Yoshua that says there was a sirah that helped Bnei Israel fight the nations on the uh, outside the land, on the eastern side of the Jordan. When Moshe was fighting those enemies there, he had the benefit of this secret weapon, these uh, flying drones, uh, attack drones, uh, called the sirah. Um, so, but they, they only helped out in the time of Moshe. They did not enter the land with Yoshua, so Yoshua did not have the benefit of this uh, secret flying weapon. And we ask, hold on, is that Baraita true? Because we have a Pasuk in Shemot that says, I'm going to send in the hornet uh, before you to drive out the Chivim, the Kena'anim. So it sounds like they are going to help even with the seven nations that are in Eres Kena'an. Not only Sichon and Og that are on the outside. Amar bi Shimon ben Nakish al-Sifat so the Shakish explains, in fact, both are true. They remained on the eastern bank of the Jordan River, and from there they were able to shoot uh, a venom into the land. So they didn't get everybody in the land. They only couldn't shoot so far. But at least uh, the, the, the uh, enemies that lived on the western bank near the Jordan River, they were attacked. And there was a double attack. This venom would blind their eyes and uh, above and castrate them from below. And all this is based on Pasuk in Amos. It says, I destroyed the, um, the Emori. Their height was like cedars and strong like oaks, but uh, what does that matter to Hashem who can, uh, who can defeat them and destroy their fruit from above, their roots from beneath, that refers to their eyes and uh, their privates that were attacked by these this hornet venom from afar. So according to that opinion, in fact, these hornets did not Enter and no, no hornets entered into Eretz Israel. Uh, however, the Papa Moshe tested out of Hada the Moshe Hada the Yoshua the Moshe Lo Avar the Yoshua Avar. The Papa said there were actually two sets of hornets. One of them from the time of Moshe, and those helped Moshe fight those enemies. 
outside the land, and they did not enter. That's what the Baraita was talking about. But there were, in fact, other hornets in the time of Yehoshua, and they did, in fact, help Yehoshua, and that's how he can, he can reconcile this Baraita with this Pasuk by saying there were two um, separate sets of hornets, not that it was the same set that had to um, shoot their venom over the river. All right, now, um, back to the Mishnah that said, Shisha Shebatim Alu Lerosh Har Gerizim. Um, there were six tribes that were in Har Gerizim and six tribes on Har Aival. And uh, we know this from the Pasuk that says, My Ha Chetzyo, the Pasuk says um, here, that half of the tribes of Israel were on Had Gerizim and half were on Had Aival, or facing, half of them facing Had Gerizim, half of them facing Had Aival. So the question is here it says Chetzyo for the first half, but the other one says Ha Chetzyo. Why not just say Chetzyo again? What do you mean the half? Okay, now if you want to know which. Uh, which tribes stood on each, that we already know from Devarim 27. Uh, here, Moshe already says, Shimon, Levi, Yehuda, Vissachar, Yosef, Binyamin. And on the other hand, You can see clearly the reason for the breakdown. The ones that are on Had uh, Aival for the Kelala, those are the Beneha Shefachot and the Duven and Gad, who, remember, they wanted to stay outside the land of Israel on the other side of the Jordan. So these are the low class. Uh, Shevatim, and on the other hand, you have here uh, Shimon Levi Yudai says Yosef Benjamin. These are the children of 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 Leah and of Rachel, uh, the Imahot and not the Shevachot, and those that were did go into the land. So these are the high class um, Shevatim. They're the ones that get the Beracha. Okay, so you see that the breakdown is very purposeful. So now that we know that we know what the breakdown was, but how come half of them are called? Um, the ones on Har on Har Aival, why are they called Ha Chetzio? Rav Kahana explains that the breakdown between six and six on the mountains is equal, is parallel to, is the same breakdown as that on the stones of the Ephod. The Kohen Gadol, besides wearing the Chosh Mishpat that had all 12 tribes, he also had on his shoulders uh, two stones and that had six and six tribes. Uh, it looks something like this, right? Here's six uh, tribes and here's the other six. This is a breakdown according to Rambam. And uh, this would be on one shoulder and the other would be on the other shoulder. And so according to Rav Kahana, the Ha Chetzyo, the He HaYediah, is telling us that the breakdown on the mountain is the same as the breakdown, the breakdown that you know about already of six and six on the shoulders of the Kohen Gadol's ephod. Okay, so that's what Afkana said. Here's the problem. There are a number of opinions about how to break down the, the tribes on the two shoulders of the of uh, of the Kohen Gadol. The Torah does not say explicitly. And the problem is that the different opinions about how to break them down are not the same as the ones on the mountain, which is going to be a challenge to Afkana. So here's uh, a couple of the opinions. Metibe Okay, 
min ha'echat. So far, so good. There were two precious stones on the Kohen Gadol, uh, on the shoulders, one on one shoulder, one on the other shoulder, and the names of the 12 tribes were in on them, six on one and six on the other. And kosa pasuk and shemot. Now, Shinia doesn't say the order yet. Here's the order. Shinia ketol dotam, velodi shona ketol dotam. The second half had them in order of birth, but the first one was not in order of birth, because Yudah came first. And it was, otherwise, it was in order of birth. Um, except that Yudah came first. Um, so, And furthermore, there was it's 50 letters. If you count all the letters in all 12 tribes, it comes out to 50. And it was broken, even, uh, broken up evenly such that there were 25 letters on one shoulder and 25 letters on the stone on the other shoulder. All right, if you work out the math and the numbers, you come out with uh, uh, the, the following that the second stone would have Gad, Asher, Yisachar, Zebulon, Yosef, Binyamin, and the first stone would have Yehuda first. Um, those are in order, but Yehuda is first, and the second stone, and then Reuven, even though Reuven's older, um, but otherwise it goes in order of their um, uh, birth. Reuven, Shimon, Levi, Dan, and Naphtali. Good, so we have an order here, um, but this is not the same as the order that it says in Devarim 27. So this one is not going to work. Um, now we have another opinion. He says, no, the tribes are not divided the way that you find the list in Sefer Bemidbar. Sefer Bemidbar is called Chumash HaPekudim, literally the book of numbers, the book of counting, because they're counted a lot of times. You see that the English words that we have for the names of the books, right? Exodus, Numbers, uh, Deuteronomy. Uh, those actually come from the Septuagint, but these are not English or Greek in origin. The, these uh, Septuagint, the Greek word, is actually just a translation of the older Hebrew um, name for the Chumashim. So back in the times of the Talmud, it was not called Sefer Bemidbar. The rabbis of the Talmud called it Chumash HaPekudim, and they called the Varim Mishneh Torah. Mishneh Torah is the origin of Deuteronomy, second law. Um, okay, so anyway, the uh, it's, not, it's not split up according to the order um, of the tribes as they're listed in the first chapter of Sefer Bemidbad, but rather as they're listed in the beginning of Sefer Shemot, when it says these are the tribes that came down, these are the sons of Yaakov that came down, and that's the order. Uh, if you want to see a nice chart, um, here is a nice chart, thanks to Art Scroll. So the uh, Baraita we just saw, the first one, says that here Yehuda is first. Otherwise, it followed Reuben Shimon Levi Yehuda. Reuben Shimon Levi, Dan Naftali, and the second stone are these. And this would be 25 letters, and these are 25 letters. We're going to see in a second that actually this one is only 24 letters. Uh, we're going to solve that problem soon. Um, but here we have a second opinion that it's the order of based on Shimon which would be Reuven, Shimon, Levi, Yehuda, Yisachar, Zebulun. And the other one is Binyamin, Dan, Naftali, Gad, Asher, Yosef. Um, and what you see here is that this also is not the same as the order in Devarim 27. So this is a this is a problem. And Kesad bene lea kesidran bene rachel echad mikan vechad mikan ubne shefachot ba imsa. Right, see according to Rabbi Chanina ben Gamliel, it does follow more or less the order in Shemot, if except that 
we follow Bened Le'ah, go all the way down the line in order, but Bened Achel are put on the edges um, as follows. Here you have the Bened Le'ah all on one, and here you have Binyamin starts and Yosef ends the list, which is different from the way it is in, um, uh, in Sefer Shemot, but otherwise it's the same. Okay, so here you have a second, first order, a second order of the stones, here and the stones there, but neither of these are like the ones on Hargitizim. Uh, Rav Kana, on the other hand, said that it should match the ones on Hargitizim, right? But nobody says that. Not Tanakama, not Rabbi Chanina ben Gamliel. So now we are back to having a problem. So ve'ela ma'ani mekayem ketoldotam. So if they're not written according to the order of births. Right, because over here, see, it's not an order of birth, but rather in the order that is said in Shemot, except some, some are swished around. So according to this opinion here, what does Ketoldotam mean? Um, uh, kish, uh, which it says regarding the stones, has to be written Ketoldotam. means not in the order of their birth, but rather the name that their father called them, not the name that Moshe called them. Their father called them Reuven, Shimon, Dan. Whereas in other times in the Torah, when it wants to talk about the families and genealogies, it will say Reuveni, Shimoni. So Moshe refers to them as the tribe of the Reubenites. Um, and so that's why you don't write Reuveni on the shoulder, but rather just Reuven on their shoulder. That's what Toldota means. Um, so that explains the opinion of Rabbi Hanina. Okay, now back to the question. This is a challenge to Rav Kahana, and it's a conclusive refutation. And so therefore, we're back to our original question. Our original question was, it says, Ha Chetzio, um, the half, um, uh, on, uh, on, on one mountain, and right, half on one mountain, and the half, Hachetzio on the other mountain. So Rafkana wanted to say that Hachetzio is referring to the well-known half, the one that's already already on the shoulder of the Kohen, of the Kohen Gadol. But we just proved that that's not true because the, um, the 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 breakdown of six and six in Devarim twenty-seven does not match either opinion of the shoulders. Rather, the half that was on Har Girizim was more than the half that was on Har Eval. So it says to say the half, meaning a smaller half, is on Har Eval, uh, a more particular. Hayidiyat can be a, limit, a limiting word. Um, why would that be so? Because it was actually, even though there's 12 tribes, which is 6 and 6, Levi was on the bottom between the two mountains. So you got to take out Levi. So there's only 11 tribes. That means there were 6 on Har Gerizim and only 5 on Har Eval. But now we ask, If Levi is on, on, the, on the bottom, which one did Levi come from? Levi came from Har Gerizim, right? If we look back in the Pasuk here, um, the Shimon Levi Yehuda, Levi is meant to be on Har Gerizim. So if you take him off that mountain and put him on the bottom, then actually he's going to be five on Har Gerizim. So why, how could it be that there's more people on Har Gerizim? 
ודברו בני יוסף אל יהושע, לאמור מדוע נתת לי נחלה גורל אחד וחבל אחד ואני עם רב, ויאמר עליהם יהושע, אם עם רב אתה, עלה לך היערה. Even though הלוי uh, was down on the bottom, nevertheless there were more people, even though there was only five tribes, it was still a bigger population on Har Gerizim because you had בני יוסף there, and בני יוסף had a very large population, and we know that from the time that בני יוסף came to Yeshua and said, how come you're only giving us one portion, only a small inheritance, we have so many people, and Yeshua told them, if you're so many, go expand out to the forest, right, you can go expand your lot into that empty forest over there, and so we see that Yosef had a lot, was a lot of people, and that's why it means um, that Kadgadizim was bigger, and Ha-Chetzio, the smaller mountain, there were less people in Hadaival. Hamalehen, the Chubich Biwas Mechem Bayarim. Now we're going to explain this, these Pesukim here. What does it mean they said go into the forest? What Yoshua actually was saying is not expand into the forest, but rather go hide yourselves in the forest. So that evil eye will not have dominion over you. Right? You just came and said, oh, we are so many, You're kind of boasting. It's not nice to boast. And uh, when people boast out loud, then uh, that, could bring, uh, that could bring bad luck. This is a classic example of Ein Hara. אמרו לה, זראי דה יוסף לשרתי בעיינה בישה דכתי בן פרת יוסף בן פרת עלי עין. And Yosef told Yoshua, don't worry about us, evil eye does not have dominion over Yosef, because of the beracha that's given to them. Yosef is like a fruitful vine, a fruitful vine on a fountain. אמר רבי יוסיוד אבהו, ארתי קורא עלי עין, אלא עולה עין. And if we reread this, not that they are on a fountain, but rather they rise above I. Well, what do you mean I? They rise above the evil eye, that you don't have to worry about Yosef. So he was saying, go and hide, like uh, hide your big population so that this doesn't, uh, evil eye doesn't affect you. He said, we don't care about evil eye. Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Chanina, Amar Mehachav, Yidgul Arob Mecher Ba'aretz. Or we can learn the same lesson that Yosef is protected from evil eye from this pasuk that says that they should be grow and become a multitude um, within the land. Madagim Shebayam Ma'im Machasim Alehem Ven Ein Shot Bahem Av Zarosha Yosef Ven Ein Sholetet Bahem. Why does it say Viyidgu? That uh, comes from the word Dag that they should be um, as many as fish in the sea. Oh, why? just like fish are in the sea and water covers them so you can't see the fish so too the descendants of Yosef um, uh, the, the, the eye will not have dominion over them they will, they will, be, they will grow and be successful and not have to worry about uh, um, uh, such a uh, worry about this problem now back to that 50 letters that you mentioned that all together is 50 letters 25 on one and 25 on the other it's not true there's only 49 go count them oh Yosef got an extra letter uh, when he left Egypt and so he had an extra hair, and that accounts for it. Matkif l'arav Yosef Nachman bar Yitzchak, ketol dotam ba'inan. Rav Nachman says, no, you can't do that, because you have to follow the way they were spelt at the time of their birth. It says the uh, the names on the two shoulders has to be ketol dotam, and you can't include the extra letter that they got later on. Ela kol ha-Torah kola mi-binyamin ketiv hacha, Binyamin Shalem, Kedichtiv Aviv Karalo Binyamin. Rather, the extra letter is found in the word Binyamin, where usually it's written Haser 
just um, bet nun yud mem nun five letters. Uh, but here on the shoulder of the Kohen Gadol, it was written male with an extra yod. And in fact, if you look back in Bereshit, Lamed He, it says that his father called him Binyamin. And in the Masoretic text, it's written male with a yod. So Ketod Thomas says, go, don't, don't spell Binyamin the usual way. Go back to the way that he, it was spelled when he was born. Look on Binyamin's birth certificate. You'll see that it was written with a yod there. And now, we have 50 letters. All right, fantastic. Now that we mentioned that Yosef got an extra letter, even though that didn't help us for the um, for the, uh, uh, the the fit to find the extra letter, but we do want to know why did he deserve to get that extra letter? Be Yosef. Uh, because he did a Kiddush Hashem and hiding, so he got an extra letter from God's name, uh, but it's hidden. Be Yosef, it's just stuck into the middle. Um, it is a letter from God's name, but it's also uh, put into the middle, uh, so it's hiding. Whereas Yehuda, who sanctified Hashem's name in public, um, so he gets his entire name is Yehuda, all the letters of his name, uh, not, not, not the Dalit, but all the other letters of his name, it's almost entirely uh, Hashem's name. You have Yod and He and Vav, um, so because he made a Kiddush Hashem in public, therefore all of his, uh, all of his name is God's name. Now, let's go and see what, is, what are we talking about with this Kiddush Hashem. Yosef Maihi, when did, Yo- when did Yosef make a Kiddush Hashem in private? Uh, Bereshit says that one day um, Yosef went uh, to, to the house to do his work. Um, now, what does it mean? Why do you have to say that he went to do his work? Yochanan says this is sinister. It means that Yosef and Potiphar's wife they went to the house intending not work, but work in uh, uh, as a euphemism. They intended to sin. Yosef also, his intention was to sin. He saved himself later, but that was intention going in. That's in Biochanan in Eretz Yisrael. You have a similar discussion in Bavel between Rav Ushmuel. One of these, one of them says he was going to do his work, to do the housework like he usually does. Um, it means literally. And the other said, no, to do his needs, meaning to uh, to sin with um, uh, with Potiphar's wife, uh, same as Biochanan's interpretation. Now, and nobody was home. Wait, Potiphar has a giant house. He has a mansion. There's always things going on. Could it be there's nobody home? And rather must be that that day, there was a holiday, it was a festival, there was a carnival out in the town, and everybody went to this Avodah Zarah festival, but um, Eshet Potiphar said, oh, I'm sick. She made believe she was sick because she had in mind, oh, this is my opportunity. I'm not going to have a day like this when I'll be home. Yosef, Yosef obviously is not going to go do Avodah Zarah, and so I can be home together with him so we can sin. And now she grabbed him by his garment, 
and said, Sleep with me. And so Yosef almost was going to sin, but at that very moment, uh, the appearance of his father, uh, Yaakov, appeared to him in the window. You can imagine this would be a great scene to make a movie out of, and said, Yosef, in the future, all of your brother's names will be written on the shoulders of the ephod, and you'll be there also if you if you if you do the right thing. However, if you sin, then is that what you want? And then your name will be erased from among them. And instead, you'll be called uh, you'll be called an associate of of zonot. Um, quoting a pasuk in Mishle, he who keeps company with zonot. He will lose his riches. What do you mean the riches? The riches of the honor of being on those precious stones uh, forever to be one of the tribes of of, uh, of Israel, right? So if you're going to go and live in Egypt and then uh, assimilate and sin, so then you're going to lose your identity and lose your place among Bene Israel. So Miyad, as soon as Yosef saw that vision, Vateshev Be'etan Kashtom. So this from the uh, from the uh, Berachot of Yaakov at the end of of, uh, of uh, Bereshit, it says his bow uh, stayed firm. What is that referring to? His bow, meaning his his private part, went back to the way it was before, and he was able to not sin. And the arms of his hands were made supple. It means he stuck, stuck his, dug his nails into the ground so not to move and not to sin and that energy um, and seed came out from his fingernails and the point is that he was able to calm his desire and he, was not, and he did not sin. Continuing those Pesukim of the Berachot from uh, Yaakov, um, that he, by the hands of the Mighty One of Yaakov, what caused him that he could be on the stones and not sin? It was the might of, of Jacob, meaning the appearance of Yaakov in that window uh, gave him strength to do the right thing. And because of that, he was able to be a shepherd to the Jewish people, not a shepherd to Zonot as before, uh, as he might have been, but rather a shepherd to Israel, as the as Tehilim says, shepherd of Israel who leads the flock of Yosef. So you see Yosef is connected with Ro'eh. Really, Yosef was worthy that he could have had 12 tribes come just out of him, similar parallel to Yaakov. Um, as the Pasuk says, these are the children of Yaakov, and right after that, Yosef. They're back to back to say Yosef could have been like Yaakov. But that seed that came forth from his fingernails, that kind of drained his strength. So even though he did the right thing, but just that he, the fact that he almost sinned, that already lowered his level. 
And so he was not able to have uh, 12 tribes like Yaakov. And however, even though Yosef did not have 12 children, his brother Binyamin did have 12 children, as the Pasuk says in, uh, in the, near the end of Bereshit, when it lists all the 70 people that went down to Mitzrayim. And their names are actually all references to Yosef. Let's see each one. Bela shinibla ben haumot. Bela means to be swallowed up because um, Yosef was swallowed among the nations. He went and lived um, in, in Egypt among the other nations. Vabecher becholi mohaya. Becher means he was the firstborn of Rachel. Vashber shebao el. Ashber means he was sent into captivity. Uh, Shevi and El. So he went into captivity, meaning he went down to Egypt as a captive. Gera, Shegar Saniyut, that he lived in a foreign land. He was uh, hosted in a foreign land. Naaman, Shanaim Naaman, he was very beautiful and pleasing, Yosef. Achi Varosh, Achihu Varoshihu, Binyamin, that's his kid, said, He is my brother and he is um, uh, older than me. Mupim Bechupim, Hu Loroa Bechupati, Vani Loraiti, Bechupati. They each got married in different lands. So Benjamin says, I, he didn't see my wedding and I didn't get to see his wedding. That certainly explains Chupa. Mupim is not clear how they got them from the Mupim to the to the chupim. Um, uh, so, but somehow it's a play on on uh, the double language here, and both referring to chupa that they had no chupa, uh, they didn't see each other's chupa. Va'ard sheyarad leben hamot haolam ard from going down. Yosef went down and lived with the other nations of the world. Made yirida ikadam revar shepanav domin levered. Or ard is like vered, like a rose. Yosef's uh, face was so beautiful, like a rose. Yochanan teaches that when Paro told Yosef that no man is going to lift up his hand in all of Egypt except for you. You are second in command to me. You're in charge of everything. So the astrologers of Paro said, this guy, he was a, a slave. He was bought for 20, to, for 20 coins. He is going to be on top of everybody? This nothing, this cheap slave? And Paro says, I can tell that he has uh, royal uh, royal character in him. Even though he was sold as a slave, he is not really from a, he's not really a slave. He comes from a a, uh, a a royal a royal family. So his, uh, the astrologer said, if he's really such an important person, if he's royalty, he should know seventy languages. That's a character of royalty. You have to be able to govern all, right, all a big empire. You have to know all the languages. Does he know all the languages? So right then, by Gabriel came and taught him. We made a, a quick reference to this earlier. Um, Gabriel taught him all 70 languages. So yet there's another different explanation of how he got his extra letter that uh, Gabriel was teaching him all 70 languages, but he couldn't he couldn't get it. Yosef had a hard time. He had all the uh, vocabulary index cards, um, flashcards, but he wasn't getting it. And so Gabriel had to help him out and added 
a letter to his name, a little divine assistance there. And that explains the Pasuk that Edut Behosef, right, when he got his extra, extra letter uh, here, when he left Egypt, um, uh, and he didn't know the language. So you see, not knowing the language is connected with Bihosef. So that's uh, where the Midrash gets this idea from. The very next day, he got a language test, and every language that Paro spoke, Yosef was able to converse with him in that language. But then Yosef one-upped Paro, and Yosef started speaking in Hebrew, and Paro didn't understand what he was saying. Amale Agmeri, Paro said, teach me Hebrew. Agmeri velagamar, but um, Paro, he could, not, uh, he could not figure it out. He was not able to learn it, right? Something about the, the holiness of the language and the, and the degradation of Paro didn't work together. He couldn't absorb the language. Amale ishtabatli de la maglet. So Paro said, swear to me that you won't tell anyone. I don't know this language, right? This would be uh, very embarrassing to him to not to there that there's a language in the world that he doesn't know. Ishtabala Yosef says fine, I'll I'll swear it to you. And this came in handy later on. Um, after Yaakov died, Yosef said to Paro, My father made me swear, tell, saying that I would bury him in uh, in Israel. So I need to get back. I have a I have a, an oath that I have to do. So then Paro said, Okay, so what you have an oath? Why don't you just go and dissolve your oath? And uh, I don't want you to go go to Israel. I want you to stay here in in Egypt. So we, um, so then Yosef said, Okay, fine. I'll dissolve my oath to bury my father in Israel, and at the same time, I'll dissolve the oath that I made to you, that to not reveal to anyone that you don't know a language. So this uh, Yosef threatened Paro. And the threat worked, even though Paro really did not want, want Yosef to go. But now that he knew, oh, if I don't let him go, he's going to reveal that I don't know a language and I'll be, I'll be shamed. So he says, okay, fine. You know what? Uh, go up and bury your father according to your swear. And that way you keep my swear as well. Uh, fantastic story. Baruch Adonai Leolam. Amen v'amen.